Welcome back to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast presented by Sib Sports. This is your host, John Ashkar, and today with me, I'm back with my co-host, Jack Vandemater. Glad to be back. We got a special NBA draft episode for y'all. It's been a minute since we've done a, a regular podcast with no, sure. uh, with no guests on, so I'm looking forward to talking a little bit of Cavs. It's been Browns, 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 so without further ado, let's hop right into the headlines. The Pistons land number one overall. And you can pretty much sharpie in Cade Cunningham. We'll we'll talk about all the the prospects later on, but that's a that's a huge steal for the Pistons getting one on one. Yeah, I mean we won't talk about it much, but the Pistons are definitely a franchise that needed that. They've kind of been stuck in a just an awful spot for the past what ten or so years. So this is good for the Pistons, and another good outcome, Jack. With the Cavs, we were supposed to pick five, and we jumped all the way up to three. We're picking in the top three. The Draft lottery finally swung in our favor. Yeah, the last couple of years we've been uh, getting shafted a little bit with the lottery. We haven't really had great luck. We had the fifth, coming into this lottery, we had the fifth highest odds. I think we were tied with the Oklahoma City Thunder for the fifth, fifth worst record. So the draft lottery actually worked out in our favor this time, which is great. Being that there's four top prospects, that was kind of huge to be in the top four. Yeah, so... The top 10 of how it turned out were the Pistons at 1, the Rockets at 2, the Cavs at 3, the Raptors at 4, the Magic at 5, the Thunder at 6, the Warriors at 7, boo, the Magic at 8, the Kings at 9, and the Pelicans at 10. Like we said, the lottery actually helped us out this past time after picking 5th, 5th, and 7th respectively in the past three years. So I'm happy about this. Yeah, the Thunder, who, who we came in, like we mentioned, had the same odds, ended up with 6, which has been the Cavs, like like you said, the last couple of years. So it's nice to see that finally flip-flopped into our favor, and with some good drafting, Kobe Altman, maybe we can turn this organization around. So yeah, let's get into our top prospects, prospects that the Cavs could possibly draft in this third spot, maybe move down and get someone at five. But all these guys are possible targets for the Cavs besides kind of Cade Cunningham, unless the Cavs made some monumental trade to move up to one. Or something happened. But yeah, so Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State is a 6'8", 220-pound guard, 19 years old. He is pretty much the consensus top pick. He was Dominant in the NCAA playoffs in all of last year. Really kind of the only true polished small forward that's NBA ready. And and like we said, I mean, you could pretty much sharpie this into the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, there's no way he doesn't go one unless he like goes out and punches a grandma or something. This, this dude can literally do everything. Scores 20 points a game. Is built like a small forward but can run, run guard. Shoots 40% from three. I mean, he's kind of just what everyone looks for, and the Pistons really lucked out here. Yeah, it really fits the bill for, like, the modern player, like a, a tall guy that can really shoot and has a clip and can lead the offense. So, obviously would have been a great fit for the Cavs, but he will probably go to the Pistons. Real quick, just we're not going to talk about him too much longer, but in 27 games he scored 20.1 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 1.6 steals. So he had a really he really stuffed the stat sheet. Yeah, I mean, this guy, like we said, can really do everything. He can do it at a super efficient rate. So the Pistons are in the same division as the Cavs. I know no one even cares about divisions, but it's someone that the Cavs are going to see a lot in the future. Yeah, so next up, we're going to talk about Jalen Green, who took an interesting route. This is kind of one of the first we'll see of, of these prospects who are skipping out on the college to go straight to the G League and playing for the G League Ignite, which is kind of the NBA's 
new developmental league that they've created. So Jalen Green, who's a 6'6", 178-pound guard, played for the G League Ignite, 19 years old. This is a guy that a lot of Cavs fans really would like to see us have, but John and I have a little bit of a different opinion. Yeah, so Jalen Green is another guard, and the Cavs already have a guard-heavy roster. I know Isaac Coro is listed as a small forward, but he's actually 6'5". Then you have Darius Garland, who's 6'1". You have Colin Sexton, who's 6'1". So if the Cavs do go out and get someone like Jalen Green, Jack, who's very talented, we're not going to bash really on his talent at all, the Cavs would have to do something with someone like Garland or with someone like Sexton, you know? And who knows if they would want to blow it up. I mean... Sexton and Garland both had great seasons last year. They both really developed right in front of our eyes, and I don't know if I would want to give up one of those two at this point. Yeah, it's tough. The Cavs are in a really weird position with Sexton kind of approaching a new contract, and then also the Cavs' limited flexibility here with having so many small players like you mentioned. Jalen Green being listed at 6'6 is even a bit of a compliment. He's really probably closer to 6'5". So much more of like a shooting guard type player. But he is he does have a ton of upside. I'm not going to completely bash Jalen Green. Yeah, Green is one of the most dynamic scorers, if not the most dynamic scorers in this draft. Scoring 17.9 points a game in his 15 games for the Ignite. He shot 36% from three, 82 from the line, and had an overall field goal percentage of 46%. So this kid can shoot well. He could do it from three. He can do it from the line. He's... Another just fast and athletic guard that's kind of just made for the modern NBA. Yeah, he still he does have some weaknesses though, in the sense that he's still kind of a project, right? He has a lot of room to grow, relies a lot more on his natural ability rather than technique. But that is intriguing to some teams, right? I think he'd be a really good fit on like the Rockets at two. But it's really intriguing because he has a ton of upside, right? He could if if he develops technique and pairs that with his natural ability. He could be dominant in, in the NBA, like you said, a really good fit for the modern era. I just don't, you know, back to, circling back to the Cavs here, I just, it, it doesn't make sense unless you're going to move Sexton or Garland. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him as a fit here. The Cavs obviously could really go out and draft any position from three through five and could plug someone into play. The thing is, with someone like this, you would kind of have to blow up your roster to a point. Not blow it up, but dismantle it a bit and... I just wouldn't want to do that with Green and other people being available. Well, so talking about being available, this next guy is, I think, the guy that we are hoping here at the Hottest Take Sports Podcast that we're hoping is going to be available, and that is Evan Mobley, a guy that you could plug and play from day one and would be a great fit for the Cavs in terms of position and size. A 7-foot-tall, 220-pound forward out of USC, 20 years old, we both think he's the best fit here at three. Yeah, for sure. I think he would be the Cavs' best fit at three. We both agree on this. Mobley is a great player, has still a ton of upside, a lot of development in his game. It's going to happen in the NBA, but it's great development. He's already in a spot where he could go and play day one, go start day one. I mean, he's a premier shot blocker. He has great coordination for a seven-footer. The Cavs could always use defense. That's something that they've been trying to help, really try to build up, and Mobley would be a great addition to that. In addition to everything, at seven feet tall, he has a mid-range game, Jack, and you could even push that back to maybe even threes in the future. That would be so hard to guard someone at seven feet shooting threes like that. Right. He has a high IQ, high upside. You know, the, the most intriguing thing about Mobley to me 
besides just being a great character off the court is the fact that like you said like he has handles he has a shot like he's more than a one-dimensional shot blocking seven footer he can really do it all which is something that the Cavs really need being such a small lineup so I think if you pair a guy like Mobley with a Coro, the defense could actually be pretty dangerous for the Cavs. Yeah, so this is the thing with the Cavs. They do have a very small backcourt and Sexton, Garland, and Okoro. But if you put someone like Moby in there and you put them with Jared Allen, then you could play two really big forward slash centers and then play a smaller backcourt. And you could have a starting five that's both fast, but that can play defense. But what about Kevin Love, John? Oh man, I I don't even want to talk about him anymore. He's I don't I don't even know if he's a great locker room character anymore. But I mean, Kevin Love at this point has got to be off the bench. But I, that that cannot in any way affect this pick with Evan Mobley. I I agree a hundred percent with the last thing you just said. Like the people that I have and I've heard this like still treating Kevin Love like he is a valuable part of this team, and it's not to slander Kevin Love, but. Look, the Cavs are a super young team. We're we're we were the fifth worst team in the NBA. We're not close to contending. What do we need a, an old veteran for on a terrible contract? Like, so Kevin Love really should not be in even in the, our minds when we're making this pick. I think Evan Mobley. I, we we almost have to treat this as if we don't have a power forward. Right? right, and Evan Mobley, as a 19 year old, was the defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. He was the freshman of the year in the Pac-12. In 33 games, he had scored 16.4 points. He put up almost nine rebounds, 2.4 assists, and shot 57 percent from the field. He shot 69 percent from a free throw line and 30% from three. 30% is not great whatsoever, but someone like Isaac Okoro did not shoot well in college and you saw what he did this past year in the NBA. So Mobley with his athleticism, IQ and coordination is someone that could definitely improve that too. And one thing that you didn't even mention with the stats and probably his most eye-popping statistic was his blocks. Yeah. I think he averaged somewhere around three blocks a game, mm-hmm. It was, which is ridiculous, especially in the college game where stats tend to be a little bit more watered down. I think a really good comparison for Evan Mobley is someone kind of like Chris Bosh, maybe even better, like in terms of like size. Like Chris Bosh had a, had a weird career, especially once he went to Miami. But like, I mean, if Evan Mobley turned into the next Chris Bosh, that's a... Oh, that's a great uh, yeah, pick. Yeah, that's a great especially pick at for three, Especially at three. Right. Moving on to our next player. Won't spend too much time on Mobley, even though you guys can probably tell we love him. Mm-hmm is Jalen Suggs, another great, great college player from Gonzaga. He's a 6'4", 205 guard, and he is 20 years old. Now, this is another guy that quite really does not fit the Cavs' rotation at the moment, but someone that maybe we would rather have over someone like Jalen Green. Yeah, and you you say that too. So, all right, hypothetically for a second, let's say that Mobley's not available at two, and Cunningham's obviously off the board. I feel like Jalen Suggs would be my pick at three over Jalen Green because, and honestly, I think I'd rather have Jalen Suggs than a Garland right now. I mean, at this point, I Jalen Suggs is one of my favorite prospects in the draft simply because I think he's a fantastic leader. He's not scared of the moment, really good toughness. Like, he's a guy that I just, you have a gut feeling, like, when this guy's going to be good, like, he's going to be good. Right, you know, no, Jalen Green definitely has all the tools. I think, I mean... Jalen Sugg definitely has all the tools. Personally, maybe I'll look at maybe trading down or out of the pick. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if you're really set at three, 
personally, I'd take Suggs over Green too, you know. And Green actually tweeted that if he played in college, he would be more in the talk for the number one overall pick. So him and Suggs kind of have a little internal competition. Maybe him and Cunningham do too because Cunningham's going to go one. But still, at the end of the day, I would take Suggs. Like you said, he could step up in big moments. He hit that huge shot versus UCLA Mm -hmm. in overtime to get Gonzaga to the national championship. This guy can really do it all. It's just how could he fit with this Cavs roster? Yeah, so he's kind of the last guard we're going to talk about in terms of the prospects. So I want to ask you, Let's say without trading back, we draft or Jalen Suggs is sitting there and we draft him. What's your next step as as the Cavs GM? What are you doing? Are you are you holding on to all three of them, the three being Garland, Sexton, and Suggs, or are you removing one of them and then who is that guy? Yeah, so I really think that the Cavs would end up moving one of those young guards. And listen, I I don't I really don't want to move Sexton or Garland. But if they did, the Cavs could get something good because those are both young, promising players. At the time, I really do think that the Cavs favor Garland a lot more than Sexton. It really seems like the Cleveland media hates Sexton, and I absolutely can't stand that because I love Sexton. Right. But with a bigger contract coming up for Sexton sooner rather than Garland, because I'm sure Garland will get a pretty hefty contract, I think the Cavs would end up moving on from Sexton, even though I would not love to see it at all. Yeah, that would be a little bit of a gross move. In you know, you you bring up the contract. That's something that we have to kind of watch for with Sexton because especially at the end of last season there was this controversy with him being more of a ball hog and it just seems like the relationship was a little bit tattered and then like you said Cleveland media is not doing anything to keep him in town, right? If I'm Colin Sexton, you know, I've worked my butt off for this city just to be treated like this. I'm not very happy about that. So I do feel like if this were to happen, Sexton is the logical answer. I also feel like Sexton might fetch a little bit more trade value because of his name and what he's done. So, And his scoring value, too. I mean, right. Sexton was a top 20 scorer in the NBA this past year, so you got to keep that in mind, too. Yeah. Moving on to our fifth prospect, we have Jonathan Kuminga, who also played for the G League Ignite, was another one of those players to pass on the NCAA due to some controversy with their eligibility rules and everything going on there that's been going on for so long now. Yeah, he just wanted to go and make some bread too. Right, exactly. So Jonathan Kaminga, a 6'6", 210-pound forward from the G League Ignite, 18 years old, one of the youngest prospects that we're going to talk about. Actually, the youngest prospect that we're going to talk about, which is ridiculous. I mean, 18, you're still a kid. So I think uh, Kaminga would be a great fit for the Cavs, but there is one kind of catch yeah, so I, I really do like love Kaminga as a prospect. I think he would be a great fit for the Cavs. He's listed between 6'6 six, six and 6'8, six, and that's kind of where the Cavs would look for a 6'7 six, to 6'8 six, guard. But when it gets to an inch, you can't be super nitpicky, you know. But he's a small forward. That's exactly what the Cavs need. The problem, the knock on Kaminga is that he really, really struggled shooting while he was with the Ignite. He shot 24% from three with the Ignite and 38% from the field. now And 62 from the from, free throw. Yeah. Just, just to put it in perspective, like 38% from just the two-point range or from everything combined is really, really not good when you have someone like Cade Cunningham shooting 40% from three alone. So mm-hmm. Kaminga is a great prospect, a great defender at the wing, just so athletic, but he really struggled with shooting. 
And I think this is a good time to talk about Kaminga, seeing what happened to the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm going to bring up Ben Simmons in, in the fact that like the modern NBA forward has to be able to shoot the ball. I mean, you see guys like Giannis being slandered for not being able to shoot when that's, I mean, and we both can agree that Kaminga will never be as dominant as Giannis in the other facets of the game. So Jonathan Kaminga will never hear the end of this argument if he doesn't figure out a shot. And we saw the blueprint here in Philly that if you can't shoot, like you're going to struggle. Right. Yeah. So I that seriously worries me. Yeah, it, it's definitely it, it scares me, and I mean the thing about Kaminga though is he's athletic enough, Jack, where I think he could develop a shot. Again, like I bring it up, like Isaac Okoro, he really lit on fire at the end of last season, had multiple twenty point games. I think he even had a couple thirty point games, and Okoro was someone that we talked about last year on our draft lottery special, where we said you know this guy is a great wing defender, just like Kaminga but really, really struggles with shooting. I mean, I'm pretty sure Okoro shot under 30% from three at Auburn. And, I mean, they both scored, what, around 12 to 15 points a game in college. I guess the difference is that Kaminga can really hit the boards with seven rebounds. Mm -hmm. But, again, like, I just think he's a guy that's capable of developing that shot. It's just going to take some time. It's going to take some time. He's definitely a project. And, and again, we can't forget he's 18 years old, right? right? I mean, this guy is super young, has plenty of time to, you know, develop his craft. So, so a guy that I, I wouldn't be mad at if the Cavs selected at three, it was just they would have to have a plan. Right. I mean, this is a guy that the Cavs could also drop back to like five if they wanted to, you know, acquire another draft pick and then pick up Kaminga and then... Yeah. You get you know another draft pick next year, and you get a really got a really nice developmental prospect. So definitely an intriguing guy for the Cavs, but maybe someone we trade back for. Will be interesting to see what we do there. But our sixth and final prospect is a guy named Scotty Barnes, 6'9", 227 pound, also a f- forward out of Florida State, nineteen years old, and, and this is a guy that the Cavs have shown some interest in. Yeah, so the Cavs have interviewed Scotty Barnes here early in the process and he's 6'9 like you said 227 from Florida State it seems like they're really starting to develop some nice forwards there at Florida State but this is a guy that also again kind of struggled with shooting Jack shot 27% from three at his time in Florida State the thing is though when you look at his total field goal percentage he shot 50% from the floor so Barnes is a guy that kind of shoots closer to the basket, shoots more like a power forward or a center when he's in the two-point mm-hmm. range, but really can't shoot outside of that. Now, is he someone that the Cavs, again, could develop into a you know more of a mid-range or a long-range shooter? Possibly, but I think there's less of a chance than someone like Kaminga, for example. The thing about Barnes, though, is that he's really, really good at defense, and he brings a ton of versatility there because he's a super athletic kid, you know? He says he could bring the ball up. He could guard the ball, you know? He could play three. He could play four. And this kid's 6'9", so there's multiple positions that he could guard with his athleticism. Yeah, both Kaminga and Barnes are guys that you probably want to trade back for to get a little bit more value. I think you could consider it maybe a reach at, at three, but... At the same time, like in terms of fit, I feel like Scotty Barnes is almost a better fit for the Cavs than someone like Kuminga, because I feel like with his him being six nine, like you said, that versatility could be big. Because we talked about Kevin Love not really being 
the future of the Cavs. Kuminga is would be a little bit more limited, a little bit smaller. Really stick to that small forward position where you can move Scotty Barnes between the three four and then have him guard like the one even you know if if that's what he needs to do. So definitely an intriguing prospect. And like you said, Florida State's been putting out a lot of NBA talent recently. Yeah, they had Patrick Williams go top five last year. Honestly. Barnes could be someone that's kind of comparable to Williams in a sense of a rookie year where, you know, they have a quiet rookie year, but if you go in and you look and you read and you listen, like, he had a pretty good rookie year, and that's something that Barnes could kind of replicate. Yeah, so definitely an intriguing guy there. But, you know, kind of going to wrap wrapping up this conversation, you know, if, if we were to go for a guy like Barnes, or let's say we were just to move the number three pick altogether, what are some potential trade packages that we could be looking at for the Cavs? So the Cavs could definitely move down in, in the order if they wanted to. You know, with someone like the Magic or someone like the Thunder, you know, looking for a nice shooting guard, someone that can really, like, go next to Shy Gilligas Alexander or someone that could go next to Cole Anthony. So maybe you're looking at a team trading up and you're able to, you know, go get a first-round pick for next year. The Thunder have about 10 million picks, so I'm mm-hmm. sure that they could at least spare us one. Right. And even the Magic, so... Maybe we trade down, you know, end up picking at six from where the Thunder at. I wouldn't mind that. And you pick up someone like Barnes or someone like Kaminga. Right. So if you end up trading down, picking up a first-round pick, and coming out of the draft with a, a guy like Scotty Barnes or Kaminga, that's a great success for the Cavs in, in their front office, which is <laughs> which is struggled. You know, I, I well, I I should I shouldn't say struggled because they've made some great draft picks, but you know, has have had some questionable moves exactly. And sort of picks over the past years, you know? Right. So other options, if we were to just completely trade the pick, there's been some talk about the Cavs wanting to expedite this rebuild process by trading for an established star. A lot of controversy around Ben Simmons right now could be on his way out of Philadelphia, but I think we can both agree that, I I don't know. Yeah, see, Ben Simmons, again, is a player with, like, you know, great potential still. I mean, he's still young. The problem is, one, he's on a fat contract. Mm-hmm. And two, the, the the worst thing that I just hate to see about him and that I d- saw is that he doesn't have a good work ethic. He doesn't mm-hmm. come to the gym prepared to work. He doesn't like to work. He doesn't like being criticized. And I hate that. And that's someone that I would never want in my locker room, even if it's someone with the upside of Ben Simmons. So I'm 100% passing on that. Right. Comes with a ton of baggage. And then, right, if you're going to not show up in the playoffs... You can't if you're gonna if you're gonna act like that. You gotta show up, you know, when it counts. You can't you can't be a diva and then not not be good. So, yeah, a lot of controversy around Ben Simmons. Not really someone I'm looking at. And then also has the shooting issues, which don't seem to be getting fixed anytime soon. I think he mentioned that he wants to switch his shoot, dominant shooting hand. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, last time I checked, like I don't think switching your hand is gonna help your shooting. The last person that did that was Tristan Thompson and <laughs> Tristan Thompson primarily shoots from like five feet away from the basket so you know that's possible but when people want you to be your point guard and shoot threes it's just not gonna work out. Yeah, no. Okay so another guy is Brandon Ingram who really broke out last season was really good however you're, you're not gonna own you're gonna have to give up more than just three if you're getting BI and then B.I., at least in my opinion, is more... I don't know if he's a true, like, franchise leader. Yeah, so the thing about B.I. is I don't think the Cavs would need, like, a true franchise leader. Like you said, they're trying to expedite, possibly, 
the rebuild process, not finish it. You know, not cap this rebuild process. Brandon Ingram is still someone, Jack, that is 23 years old. That's the same age as Jared yeah, Allen. You know, that's only about almost a year older than Colin Sexton. So it's really someone that I wouldn't mind, averaging 23.8 points last year, a little bit below Sexton. But this is one that I think could maybe be a little more possible or making sense for the Cavs and something that I'd be definitely a little more, more favorable about. Yeah, that's actually crazy. So he's been in the league for five years now Yeah, and is still only 23 years old, gotten progressively better every single year. And, and I mean... The guy, he, he can do it all, right? He has a great shot, is super tall. So definitely someone that's interesting for the Cavs. You know, how, you'd, have how you'd have to give up more, right? So it's like, what would you be giving up? And then what's the what's the line that you draw? Yeah, so th- this is someone that, you know, could possibly try to ask for number three in someone like Colin Sexton, Jack, or number three in someone like Darius Garland. Now, who knows if the Cavs would do that? Right. But he's definitely going to look for a steep price. Yeah. So that wraps it up for our NBA draft lottery special. I really look forward to this draft. The draft kicks off on July 29th. So almost a month from now, or at least a month from when we will put this episode out. Yeah, so we will see how this goes, see how this all turns out, see who the Cavs ultimately pick or trade down for. Mm -hmm. But we will come back in July with a draft review for y'all. And, you know, it was fun talking about the Cavs once again. Yeah, it's been a while. So I'm glad we could change it up. And uh, there's some this, this Cavs team is not too far off. So I'd like to see us really be, come back to relevance pretty soon. Yep, they're getting younger, they're getting faster. And who knows, maybe they could maybe make an eight seed run this year. <laughs> Sneak into the playoffs. All right. We will catch you later, guys. Stay hot, our friends. Peace. And thanks to you guys if you made it this far listening to the Hottest Take Sports Podcast. Today's intro beat was made by Black Lions Beats on YouTube. We will have a link to it in the description. Make sure you all go give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the hottest underscore take pod. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay updated with our show. Also, make sure you rate the show and leave some feedback. Thanks again, y'all, and see you next time.